ott van még Nikolic, Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben, gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo Loik, bravo Lolikám, Lajos, szép gól volt! Sallai, azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte Nikolic bent középült könyves. Szoboszlai, könyves szép helyet csinált neki. Szoboszlai lő, gól! Gól! Hát ez ott van! Milyen hosszabbítás! Semmilyen! Semmilyen! Le kell fújni! Elvére kell menni! Nem is kell menni sehova! Itthon kell maradni! Maradj otthon! A Puskás stadionban jövőre! Szoboszlai góljával kettő-egy! Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Hungarian Football Podcast. This week we have a review of 2020 and uh, with us is Thomas Mortimer. Thomas, the all-round Hungarian football guy. Hello, Gary. How's it going? Uh, going good, Tom. Thank you very much, considering we're um, you know surrounded by our four walls mostly. Um, thankfully not climbing them just yet. Um on the other side of the pond is another guy who is our NB1 specialist, but also everything Hungarian football. It's Chris Barrett. Hi, Chris. Hey, Gabby. Hope you had a good holiday season. Uh, yeah, it's over in a blink, mate. Absolutely done and dusted. And here we are in, in 2021, um, pretty much where we were last year. So <laughs> fingers crossed it gets better for everyone. Um Obviously, our, our thoughts go out to everybody who's been affected by um, coronavirus last year, this year, as we continue to go on. But we're going to try and focus on some positives from last year, which um, for Hungarian football, we have to say, is probably one of the best years in history. Um, OK, let's forget about the guys from the 1950s, etc. In modern day football, this uh, Hungarian football has never been in a better place. Um, Tom, let's start off with with the national team, first of all. Um, we lost one game in 2020. How incredible was that? Yeah, amazing. And and that was the game against Russia. And we um, we almost got a result in that as well after starting quite badly. Um, it, yeah, it was it was an amazing, um, I guess, winter season, autumn, winter season, because um, the rest of the year was written off due to COVID. But um, yeah, we were we were great. Um, such a such a refreshing um team like a lot of young players in there who did well a lot of new players who did well um the way that we played was was just like super refreshing attacking football dominating games against good teams like turkey and uh, and serbia and um obviously against iceland as well i know we scored two late goals but we um, after conceding, we pretty much dominated that game as well. Like it was, it wasn't just the games that we won; it was kind of the manner that we won them in as well. Um, beating Turkey away from home um, and doing the same at beating Serbia and um, getting a great draw away at Russia a two, a, a three amazing results um, against all really good sides and 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 also in. Obviously, League B, which is kind of the second tier of um, European national teams, which is just super impressive for a team which on paper isn't great. Um, we saw the emergence of um, Galacci, like 
not really the emergence of him, but for the national team, it kind of was because um, he probably played his best game in that Bulgaria game where he made some crucial saves and he'd never really done that before for Hungary. Um, Soboslai stepped up and then some, scoring that amazing free kick against Turkey, which which turned out to be crucial. And then obviously the, the super crucial goal against um, Iceland, which is just still incredible to watch even now. Um, then someone like Attila Zola as well. I mean, we'll talk about him in a bit more depth um, when we talk about his move to Fenerbahce, which is super exciting. Um, but his performances for the national team were amazing. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere, really. Um, playing in Cyprus, did all right at Mezikovic, but he was neither amazing. But when you see him for the national team, it's like, oh my God, this guy, he's class, he's so good. Um, Adam Long even came back into the fray. I've slagged him off countless times on this podcast, but he was absolutely, uh, it's like Maldini at the back or someone like Phil Neville. Um, incredible, really. Um, and yeah, it was just, um, yeah, super, super exciting, super refreshing. Um, and hopefully um, long may it continue into into 2021 because it's a big year we've got world cup qualifying um all the world cup qualifiers this year and um and and obviously the euros as well in the summer so yeah super exciting um stuff to come mm, it's fantastic and wishing fish pointed out on uh, on twitter tom earlier that our, our current national team defense in terms of the clubs that they play for um all uh, potential Champions League clubs, um, with uh, obviously Leipzig um, giving us our goalkeeper and, and Willie Orban. Um, and now, obviously, we'll move on to that a bit later, but Fenerbahce um, providing a couple of defenders at all, uh, as well. So, considering how bad our, our back four has been for years and years and years, what do you make of us having a, a potential, well, five players there that could be... Um, could be all in the Champions League next season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really mad. I think it, it's obviously great to see Willie Orban playing for us, but I mean, he wasn't brought through the Hungarian system and he's not, not um, he didn't, what he has kind of no uh, experience of playing in the Hungarian league or anything. But for Attila Zolai, like, he played for Mezakovic and he did, uh, he was ground in the, um, in the Austrian league, so it's it's a little bit different, but he still did come back to Hungary, and and for him to kind of break through and in, into a into a big big club, I think is more more exciting than having Orban there really. And also, it's like how far can Zolai go? Like he's 22 and he's just moved to um, the second, probably the second or third biggest club in in Turkey. Like no offense, Fenerbahce fans, <laughs> like if anyone's listening. Um, I'd say probably Galatasaray, probably the biggest club, but who knows? Um, and then, but like that is super exciting. And then when Mesut Ozil goes there on the same day, um, like my God, um, yeah. So it's it, it's amazing. And then you got someone like Akos Ketchkes who's played um, played pretty decent for us as well. So like we've we've all of a sudden learned how to defend and. Is that Rossi maybe like helping out a little bit there? Is like that Italian steel and um, traditional defensive mindset like helping or or what? But yeah, it's whatever um, the reason for the wave. It's it's nice to ride it for a little bit. 
Mm, I mean, you know, you, you talk about Rossi, and we're, we're definitely, um, you know, benefactors of, of his his style of de- de- defending. Um, the season that they won the league, they were incredibly hard to beat, and you know, that final game against Fiddy, they just they couldn't be broken down at all. It was really resolute, and yeah, I think that's definitely transferring over into the into the national team. Um, Chris. David on Twitter, uh, aspiring underscore bear, um, says, is there any benefit for Hungary being in Group A of the Nations League? Was staying in Group B not a better chance for a playoff and qualification? Well, I mean, I think in terms of, uh, and you guys might need to help out a little bit with how the uh, Europa League is structured, because um, I'm, I'm not sure how much it has to do with um, with qualifying for the major tournaments, because each um, each of the uh, the major tournaments have their own qualification. But I do know that there are some spots that are available, and I thought it was only to people who are in Group A, to teams that were in Group A, um, who might get the extra spot. So I, I think if there's any chance of Hungary using the Europa League to get, um, uh, you know, a, a qualification spot in any of the major tournaments i do think they have to be in group a i could be wrong um but i do think um is that right yeah yeah uh you don't have to be in group a but like what say the or i don't know spain germany blah 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 they all qualify for the uh world cup which they're going to basically um the next positions down for the playoffs and stuff get passed down to the next best team and if you're in Group A, you've obviously got a better chance than the teams in Group B because you're higher up. So even if we lose every game in Group A, we'll still be better off than where we were if we were in Group B. So, yeah, you're basically correct. Yeah, and so that being said, um, thanks, Tom, that just just for clarification. But that being said, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought the idea was to consistently be kind of pushing for um, – you know, being a top club in Europe. Um, I don't know how realistic that is. And I think it feels better to win a group B than it is to languish in a, in a group A and get hammered every time we go out uh, against the larger teams. Uh, but um, strictly to answer the question in terms of playing in group A, I think our chances are better of getting into the playoffs. But if we're getting hammered every week, uh, or not every week, but every, every uh, international weekend, um, I would just wonder what it does for the confidence of the team. You know, now we're looking at it, uh, as, as you mentioned already, um, Tom and you too, Gabby, that that Hungary lost one game uh, in 2020, <laughs> the worst year in a century. And Hungary does the best. Is that not the most Hungarian thing in the world? Um, and, and so with that, I think part of it had to do with I think we were within the wheelhouse of um of the competition that I think this team um, can really effectively play against. Can they beat top, top uh, nations across Europe? Yeah. I mean, but, but I don't think consistently, and I don't think that they have the talent to do that on a regular level to keep them in group A. I think that they'll be kind of bouncing uh, if they continue to play the, the way they have been. Um, and and they, they're, they're looking pretty confident right now. That they that they bounce between the top of B and the bottom of A, I, I would be happy with that for a while, uh, quite honestly. And I think moving forward, I think that's that's what we, uh, who are Hungarian, 
uh, football fans should be hoping for at this point. Uh, I think for for us lesser nations um, who see international friendlies much more kind of with more importance than than the bigger clubs do that but that's our best advantage in this that um you, you know when we do play germany etc is they're going to see a game against hungary um as a chance to play younger players give people their first caps um try different tactics where you know this this that's our real chance to sort of grab it and go for it so if we can get um you know a good point or you know scrape a win or whatever i mean i'm sure for the sort of coefficient points alone it'll be it'll be well worth it um because you know obviously uh, the the games that aren't going to be um nations league weekends um or weeks now as they are are going to be world cup qualifiers so like the importance to, uh, of those two games is is going to be incredible so yeah, it's a it's a big fingers crossed um, that that we do do well, but it's 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 hard because we've built so much, and now the expectation is just you know is is not there again. Um, and like you say, whether that rubs off onto the players and they go out thinking, "Ah, we're going to lose," it's, it's it's a tough one really. But I don't think Rossi's going to stand for for any of that kind of attitude. So it's just that Hungarian pessimism sneaking back in. Um, Tom, another one from David. This is this is a little bit deeper, and, and you know you're exactly the guy to answer this. Um, some of the stuff you've done previously on on the politics in football in Hungary has been been really really good. So his question is: um, How can one reconcile the political background of Hungary's re- recent successes? Um, it's hard to argue that Orbán's football obsession hasn't helped a huge amount. So as a fan, can one separate one from the other? Great question, David. Really, really like that. Yeah, it is a great question. Really tough. Um, this might take a little bit of answering, um, so please bear with me. Um, it's also, I think, the way he says reconcile. I think before I answer, I think I need to kind of clarify how I think about Orban. Like, I, I'm not his biggest fan. I'm sure that people listening to this probably are, um, but like, I don't. I just don't agree with basically what he stands for, like his Christian values. Um, well, I grew up in a very deeply religious um, Catholic family and like his religious values um, don't really mirror what I grew up with. Like I was kind of told like empathy, compassion and and love were kind of about Christian values. And I don't see that from what he preaches, like what I kind of see from his government with the same with most governments that are similar to, to um, Fidesz and Orban. It's like anger and hatred and selfishness, to be honest. Um, that They're kind of the overriding um, uh, emotions that kind of come from his rhetoric and, um, and what he uh, purports to be uh, Christian values. So like, I don't agree with him at all. Um, but like he says... Um, Hungarian football is improving um, and how can you reconcile that if you don't believe in in what he does and his politics um, it's, it's tough um, I think I think what we what we need to do like because I mean it, it's also important to, to clarify that 
there is cronyism that is at the heart of Hungarian football. Like, there's no doubt about that. I don't want to say it's like corruption, but it's definitely cronyism. Um, money from uh, the EU goes into um, into inflated building contracts, which are um, created. These contracts are created to build football stadiums and build academies, and the people that are building these stadiums are friends with the government and where that money goes after that. Uh, it's probably libelous to say where it goes, so I'm not going to, but it's interesting where it does go because we don't know. Um, and for the reason why he's doing it, like like politics in in so many countries is, is a... At the heart of it is kind of this it's just selfish like the people who are running the countries are doing it for selfish reasons they don't really do it for the for the greater good and for the people and i feel that that's the way that kind of orban is like um and you see that with with the cronyism for example and i think also he wants to create a legacy um like most um politicians of, of his ilk um, wants to create a legacy and I think he sees football as being um, part of that part of his legacy um, he knows how important Hungary, um, how important football is to Hungarian history um, he probably knows that if you say you're Hungarian anywhere in the world the first person they'll think of when they speak to you is Ferenc Puskas or Attila the Hunt like they're the two people that Hungarian, uh, any non-Hungarian person would think of when they, when you speak to them. And the probably the biggest thing that probably speaks to most people is is the Martin Magyar team of the fifties. That's that's how ingrained like football is into to Hungarian status. And like Hungary can't compete on an economic level. They can't compete on a on a military level um, with the nations around the world. But to on a football level, they can like they're not at the moment, but they can make themselves stand out and be seen by the world on a football level. Like football is a great level of like that. You can look at someone like Croatia. Croatia's got a smaller population than Hungary, but um, they got to the World Cup final uh, in, in in the last World Cup. So I think Orban sees that, and if he wants to create. Um, he wants to create a legacy. He he knows that football is a great way to do that. And I, I'm and I'm not saying that he doesn't love the game. I think he really does. Um, I I like he goes to Hungary away games, which is 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 crazy. Um, he goes to basically every World Cup final. He goes to every Euros final. I'm sure he, I'm sure he absolutely loves the game. He used to play obviously a Feldschut. Um, but I, I, people are multifaceted and he's, he's not doing it just because he loves football. Um, he wouldn't be able to get away with it. Um, he's obviously doing it for economic reasons. And anyone who denies that is just being disingenuous. You, you, even if you've been like the biggest Orban supporter, you can't deny that he's, he's not doing it for economic reasons. The tough question, like he says, how do you square that? I think... I think it was. I think it's self-sabotage to not enjoy um, Hungarian football because of the politics. Like, I, I think I think it's not really the right thing to do. Like, it's not about Orban. If Hungarian football gets better, it it doesn't just make 
Orban happy. It makes everyone in the country happy. It makes everyone proud. It shouldn't be in a nationalistic way, which, oh yeah, Hungarians are better than everyone else in the same way that British public people in um, like the EDL think, oh yeah, English people are better than everyone else and American people like the KKK and Proud Boys and all that kind of stuff think think that better than everyone else. So you shouldn't do it in that sort of way, but you should be proud of your heritage. You should be proud of what your country can achieve. Um, and that's the same way with football. If, if Orban makes Hungarian football better, like we should go along with the ride. Like, we should protest why it's happening and how it's happening. Um, but we should also be happy about what is happening because, like, why wouldn't we? Like, if you see Soboslai delighted and, and the team delighted after the Iceland game, that's not, that's got nothing to do with politics. That's just people who are compatriots who are happy that they have made everyone else happy in the country. Um, and and that's that's one of the great things about football like it can bring everyone together like that um and i think it's i think to boycott or um uh, sabotage that is is just not not the right thing to do and i i would say that most people in in football the the players and and probably a lot of the coaches probably don't have that mindset we spoke to Gabor Kirai on the show last year and he didn't have a go at the MLS, in, but he was kind of hesitant to credit them. Um, and I think probably a lot of people feel like that way, but they don't want to speak out to because it's not worth it. But you speak to people in the game, you speak to analysts, you, you speak to footballers. I, I know a couple um, who play abroad who don't believe in what the, the government talk about but they are happy to play for the nation because that's that's what it's all about so I, I think that's I think that's my opinion I think there is probably some hypocrisy as part of that like there is going to be but like that like I, I live in the UK and like my, um, my half of my family is is British and um, this country was basically made rich by um colonialism but i still very much i'm proud of my british heritage and i'm very thankful to be living in this country but it doesn't mean that i um don't um i'm not kind of aggrieved by how it was built and and it's passed and i think that's the same way that we should kind of see hungarian football i think we should challenge why it's happening and how it's happening and and especially for the average common hungarian person where they their money is basically going to is being lost to cronyism um but we should also celebrate the fact that hungarian football is is part of our culture and it makes us happy um and i hope that answers your question absolutely lovely stuff tom that's that's brilliant i definitely think in the offing is a is a, a whole episode on on the politics that that goes on in Hungarian football. Um, in in terms of what you've just covered, is there an argument in terms of our national team that other countries are developing our national team players, i.e., those that are playing in Germany, etc.? Because the the investment that's gone in at 
first division level, Hungarian first division level, i.e. everyone's got brand new stadiums, everything like that. It hasn't put bums on seats. It's, it hasn't attracted people back to the stadiums. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good point. And also, you look at the players that are developing. Um, mentioned two people. Well, I actually mentioned three people in early in the show. Soboslai, who did obviously play in Hungary until he was about 16, but then he moved to Salzburg and developed into a true player in Austria. Attila Zolai, exactly the same path, um, developed um, in Austria. Then came back to Hungary, but most of his development was Austria-Vienna. Um, Orban, Willy, didn't ever play in Hungary. Um, Golacci moved to Liverpool when he was really young. Um, our best players do seem to to move away um, very early, which doesn't, which isn't a good sign for the academy system and and how much um, money that's been spent on that so far. I think it's like I said. I think I said before it's too early. I think to to have a judgment on on the academy system so far. But the players that are coming through aren't coming through the system. Um, like you sort of look at someone like Shabat Schoen, who's one of the the brighter prospects in in the Hungarian first division. He went to Ajax when he was younger, um, and and then you got a couple of other lads um, at Salzburg. You've got um, Balog uh, Palmer, who's who's an exciting prospect, but he's at Palmer and he's really young. Like all the all our better players seem to be being developed abroad, um, like you say, and 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 then. The the uh, the play uh, the fans not coming to the stadiums, um, yeah, it, it's, it's it's interesting because you look at kind of last year and what everything that happened with Flody making the Champions League and Hungary doing really well in national team games, um, and and you you do think that Hungarian football is definitely getting better. We qualified for two tournaments in four well five years now, um, but. <laughs> when you look at the evidence, when you like drill it down a little bit, you see the top level and you say, yeah, it's definitely getting better. You drill down a little bit. It's like, is it though? Is this sustainable? It's like, is it, like we're not seeing high attendances. We're not, um, the players in the, in the Frodi team and, and the Vidi team aren't Hungarian. They're basically being brought in by the money that we have. Um, the players being developed, being developed abroad. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's way too early to, to have a judgment call on that. But at the moment, you can't definitively say that it like we are seeing the fruits of, of the of the labour at the moment. Absolutely. And you know, it's probably the child that's born today that in twenty, twenty one years time we'll find out whether um you know, the Hungarian system and, and, and what they've put in place will come to fruition. Um Hopefully it does. Um, you know, that's aside from any any kind of political feelings. Um, you know, just in general, I want Hungarian football to thrive, of course, at, at every level. Um, but I think we'd just be one of those countries that, that has uh, a top two teams that possibly qualify for Europe every season, the same ones with the occasional one popping in. Um, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. <laughs> Chris, as we move um, uh, 2020, we said what an excellent year it's been for for the national team. Um, the next fixtures that we've got coming up in March, we've got three in six days. Um, Poland, 
San Marino and Andorra, um, which are our three preparation matches, albeit qualifiers for the World Cup as well, before we head off to the European um, Championships. Chris, what do you think we're going to see um, in those three games that will give us clues to the squad that's going to go to the European Championships? Or do you think we can already write that squad now? Uh, I think um, that's a really good question. Um, man, there's just so much that's happening right now um, with players and playing time and all that kind of stuff. I, I think you don't want to mess too much with success, right? You've got a team that's playing really well together. You've got players um, that are feeling really comfortable on the international stage together. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Tom might be able to, to speak a little bit more to, to certain people who might come up, but just in a general sense, I, first of all, that's not a really difficult <laughs> three games. Now, obviously Poland, um, I think Hungary's playing at home against Poland. Um in the first match, that's probably going to be their biggest test, but, but playing at San Marino and Andorra now, again, a couple of years ago, Andorra was a nightmare, but I think with our current side um, and the way things are playing, those should be, um, those should be matches that, that I think Rossi can take a look at some players and see, um, you know, what, uh, how he might feel looking ahead to the Euros during the summer. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad uh, set of games for for them. Um, like I said, if they if they really want to be competitive, I think they need to throw out the best team or put on the best team that they've had against Poland. Um, kind of see how they go there. Uh, that probably be a, a tough game. Um, and not to say that they can't win. I think they can. But um, but once you once you get through that and you go to San Marino and then to Andorra, um, I really think those are going to be the games where they're going to be able to take a look at. Um, uh, some of the maybe some fringe players or some other players that he wants to look at to, uh, to to give him some depth. But looking towards the summer, I do think that what we see right now is probably um, what we're going to be looking at over the summer, uh, bar one or two. Excellent. And Tom, obviously, as um, Chris mentioned, there is it's it, we're at home to to Poland. Considering how most people think that that group is going to pan out. Does that make this a must-win game? I think if we drew that game, we'd have to beat them away. Um, but you, the teams in the group, it, it's kind of good in a way um, because everyone is beatable apart from England. Um, but then that means for Poland, like you just don't see them dropping points um, in any of the other games. Like, I mean, they're not going to drop points against San Marino or and Andorra or unless something miraculous happens. I know we did, but like they've got Robert Lewandowski. Um, like surely he'll score um, one against them. I think they beat them like something. Like they they beat one of those teams daft in in the past, and Lewandowski scored about six or something. Um, they're not going to. It's very unlikely they'll drop points. Albania, and they were okay a few years ago, but I just don't see them posing much threat in this group. Um, they're not quite the same the team they were. Um, and then it's just, I think it's just, yeah, on, on these Poland games, really. And at home, uh, like you say, I think it, I think it pretty much is most win, must win. Um, if we draw, like I say, it's going to put us in a difficult position because probably by the time that we play them in the second leg, we'll, there'll probably be fans there as well. So it wouldn't be an easy trip to, to go to having to win there 
um, to, to have a chance of finishing second in the group. Um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Um, it's quite an exciting group, I think, because because having kind of our cousins there in the group is is really cool. Um, playing England in a in a, a competitive game for the first time in about 30, 40 years is, is pretty cool as well. And then having San Marino, Andorra and Albania beatable games is, is quite cool as well. But um, it's, it's going to be tough, but um, we could have had it worse, couldn't we, definitely? Mm, definitely. Um, historically, against Poland, um, we've played each other 32 times. Hungary have won 20 of those, uh, four draws and eight defeats, um, outscoring them from with 87 goals to 39. Obviously, this is pre-Lewandowski, like you said, but um, encouraging. I'm going to take any stat I can in the lead up to this one, and that one definitely gives me a lot of encouragement. Um, Chris, in a word, 2020 Hungarian national team, or who, who's your player of the uh, of the season for the Hungarian national team for 2020? Josh, I mean, I, I think it has to be Sobosly. Um you know, we, we've talked about him for so long. I know Tom uh, discovered him, right? And um, we, we've really watched him kind of grow and mature. And um, I just think the game winner against Iceland is kind of the, the, the cover of the magazine um, for, for 2020 because of what it did and, and really just kind of rocketed him to the top of, um, uh, of Hungarian sport in a sense. I mean, that was such a memorable game. It was such a dramatic game. And to see him produce at such a high level uh, under those conditions, to me, that's, um, this, this is more than a word, but to me, that's, it's got to be Sobosly. And Tom, um, again, along the same lines? Yeah, I agree. Um, like Chris said, it wasn't just football, it was kind of Hungarian sport. He one sportsman of the year, Hungarian sportsman of the year. So yeah, I don't think it can be anyone different. Like he had an amazing year with with Salzburg, um, had that amazing free kick, and obviously the moment against Iceland. I think Golachi could be up there, but um, he just didn't make as much of an impact at national team level. And obviously, it's hard to look past that awful area made against Iceland, which so almost cost us as well. Absolutely, I think it's a full house from me as well. Um, quite remarkable what um what he's done um well let's let's hope that it continues into the european championships Zsindul Szalai, és vissza lehet tenni Kleinhelyslenek, és újra Szalainak, és ott a gólehelyzet, és a gól, és a gól! Szalai vezet Magyarország! 550 nap után be lehet azt piszkálni, pöckölni, tuszkolni! Egy ide! So, guys, moving on to the Hungarian First Division, um, a, a bizarre 2020, um, one that saw uh, pre-COVID teams looking like they were getting relegated and after um, lockdown looked like they were going to become champions. It, it was such a, such a bizarre ride. Um, in the end, uh, Friday won it um, as you know at a canter. It was was it thirteen points in the end? They won it by. Um, 
what has been your standouts though for 2020 um tom obviously we've we've got the start of this season and and a full fixture list from last um what's been your sort of highlights of of that season if any <laughs> um I, I wouldn't really say anything in mb1 but like i think just just froddy and like no offense to mb1 like it was just kind of a uh, Mezikovic were good fun for a little bit and then they went off the boil after that cup final they were a good story push cash were um a good story at the start of the season like I, I almost liked them for a little bit when they were playing the youngsters and and it's good to see like the emergence of the youngsters we spoke about that a bit on the last pod um but i think it's just froddy really like i know not everyone loves them um there are they are very very much a marmite team um but they were the story of the season um just to have a team playing in the champions league was really good fun and and to see that performance against juventus i think that was the one that's really uh, stood out for me in the campaign where they where they so almost got a draw they went one nil up and like um and they were good against juventus in both games to be fair um even against barcelona for 20 minutes they were decent um against dynamo kiev both in both games beat celtic obviously in qualifying beat dynamo zagreb they they are for me that was really good fun i really enjoyed that that um that campaign from them uh vidi did all right in europa league i think it's fair to i don't think i mentioned that on the last pod which is maybe a bit bad because they beat that french team rem um which was really good really good to be honest um um so yeah i think i think this europe was pretty exciting um and froddy in particular um yeah just put a lot of made us excited about uh, the champions league Chris, at the opposite end of the table, we said goodbye to Kaposvar. We said goodbye to Debrecen. Um, Debrecen have taken to MB2 like water off a duck's, duck's back. They, they will certainly be back in the first division last season. Do you think they needed that to reboot the club? Um, I, I, I don't know. You can go either way with that. Um, you know, they, they came so close for so long staying up. And um, I think they got lucky on a couple of occasions. It's a good possibility. Um, you know, I think, I think with that, the club, their size, with their pedigree going down to NB2, um, obviously it made them look inward. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think they broke the bank or anything like that. I think they, they, they just probably needed some, some direction. But, you know, when, when you asked Tom the question, what, what was the thing that stood out? Um, they're really the, the team that stood out for me, I think, last season uh just because of um you know how crazy that that relegation fight was towards the end and the fact that they did drop and it was this collective gasp of oh no debrichen's going down who would have thought you know a team that um uh, of that size and and with that kind of reputation in years past um yeah i mean i think it's it's something that they've been knocking on on the door for uh, of NB2 for, for years. And, and it probably did them a little bit good, um, to get a, a, a dose of reality, you know, kind of that, that cold shower, so to speak. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, uh, their next trip back up, which looks like it'll be next year, will, uh, give them some perspective in, um, and, and how to run the football club moving forward. Um, and I think we're seeing that a little bit now with, with Diaz Dior as well. Um, this season, 
Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about what's going on at that club in a little bit, but um, you know, it, it's good possibility that some of these teams, I mean, even, even, even we last year was on, it was at desk door. Um, so th- for a time and, and, you know, we've got some clubs that, that have um, kind of been sucking at the teeth of NB1 for a while. And the fact that they're, um, uh, you know, flirting with going down to uh, second tier, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's it's changing the way they uh, they look at things and maybe run the club moving forward because um, it's not automatic anymore. There are some good clubs that are coming up that really want to stay up and they want to have uh, that experience in MB1. Um, I mean, we're looking at, um, you know, we um, like like Zaller Egesek last season coming up and you know some people thought well you know they're a good club but you know it's likely they may go down and they surprised a lot of us um you know so it's it's hard to say moving forward but um you know i hope for their sake that they come up and stay up stay up it's strange looking at you know the, the outside the top five it was uh, we pest and Honved that kind of came came uh, closest to, to knocking on the door Conved obviously won um, the Hungarian Cup last season, which was you know, quite a remarkable feat for them. Um, this season, they're looking like uh, relegation candidates. Um, already been a manager change. Um, what do you think has gone wrong for, for these? I, I mean, we Pest are in the same boat, really. They're kind of ninth and tenth in the table. Um, where do you feel is going so wrong for these guys? I know we've, we've asked that question pretty much every podcast but nothing's changing um yeah i mean we passed i mean we, we looked at we passed last season and thought uh, where are they heading and uh honestly it hasn't been that big of a surprise that they've struggled now towards the end of um of the fall season they had a little bit of uh um, of a comeback. I think it's, it's nice to see Michael ending back in, you know, uh, formerly from, from Bashash. Um, I think, I think he's going to do wonders at that club. Um, you know, as, as much as a manager can at that club, um, I still think it's going to be a miracle for them to stay up. But, you know, if you look at a team like that and, um, some of the players that they've brought back in, uh, Baridza, who I've always liked him coming back, I think was a good move for them, but, um, you know, um, Shimon has had a really good year. There's, there's some really good players on Wepesh and they should stay up. Uh, the question is, are they gonna, are they gonna respond and, and turn things around in the spring? Same thing with, with Hanved. I mean, Hanved, yeah, we've looked, we've poured over their roster. I mean, their, their players are good enough to be top three, top four in this league. And, um, you know, I guess I guess I'll just hand it to the fact that Bodak doesn't belong <laughs> be one. I think he's had his shot more than more than once, and I just don't think he really clicks um, in in this league. Um, you know, and uh, the, the amount of time that that Pichon has been there, and now he's taking it over. Uh, I hope for their sake that they, they that they stay up. But I mean, I can't imagine a team with players like they have. Um, I mean, can you imagine a team with 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 Daniel Gostog moving, you know, going down. Um, I mean, there's just so many good players on that team. I just, I don't understand it. Um, I'm hoping that they do turn things around. I do think they have the players to do that, but um, what we, one thing that we do know about this league is that anything is possible. Quite, um, other than, you know, Friday, you know, winning the 
the league. That's that's definitely going to happen. But um, anything else is possible, and mm. that's there. You go. Absolutely, and you know, encouraging signs for both Honved and Wepest is that at the last five games, they've they've both only had one defeat. So they're kind of they're they're, they're turning a corner as such. Um, Obviously, we say that again so many times. It's almost like two seasons in Hungary. You get the one pre-winter break, the one after the winter break. I fully expect those two to be finishing sort of, you know, top six, I, I, I would say, would be would be a reasonable expectation for those two teams. Um, Tom, a, a club that we both know well, Diostia, um, a brand new stadium there. We, we, again, we wax lyrical about their fans. They've got amazing fans that travel the country, that make an absolute racket, passionate about their team. They're rock bottom of the league now um, in an absolute mess, which is just a complete follow-up to where they were at the end of last season, finishing with five or six defeats on the trot. Um, and, and now already they're back to the same picture. What on earth is going on at that football club? Obviously, when we'll get, we'll let Chris give us the the transfer roundup that we do um, shortly. We'll give a, a little bit of background, but how how can it be in such a mess, Tom? I don't know. They're always a bit like this, aren't they? Like, I mean, for such a big club with such a big fan base, a great fan base as well, it must be said. Um, they're always kind of just a, a second division team or or a middle-of-the-road first division team. like you, you just expect them to be better than they are, but they're kind of not. Like A little bit like ZTE, really. Um, I mean, ZTE have won titles, um, which Diozjo haven't. Um, but they're kind of just flipping between the two divisions. You, you're kind of thinking... You should really be making your mark on this on 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 this division. Like you've got you've got everything in place now. You've got um, maybe you haven't got the money, but they've got no less money than than some like Budafok or Mezakovic or Kishvada. Um and they've got a better squad. Like they, some of the players they have, um, I love I've loved Rui Pedro. I think he's a quality player, and and at his best he, he is class. But like he's too inconsistent. Um, and their whole team is like that. They've got a lot of talented footballers who, who are, are just too inconsistent, and and they're just like that as a football club all over. They, it's almost like a mentality problem that the the club just have. I, I don't know, almost like a flakiness about them that when the going gets tough, they um, they just can't they just can't step up step up like they've they've always been around the relegation zone the past. And since coming up, really, um, which was a while back now, but like um, they've they, they've just flitted around the bottom half more than more than not more often than not. Sorry, and um, obviously they had the great escape a couple of years ago, and and, and last season they were they were pretty close as well. Like um, and now, I guess the the. Um, Chickens are coming home to roost a little bit, um, but I am. Um, they, they, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's so hard to put your finger on. Like they do this, they change your managers all the time, and now, well, I guess what Chris is just going to um, talk about in a bit further depth. Now they are going through something that uh, we don't really see that often in Hungary, where like they're just going mad for Croatians. 
<laughs> it's funny. I, I remember um, a, a really left-field football player. So this is going back um, called 10 years, maybe, something like that. It, it was uh, a Japanese player called um, Honma that played at, at Diostro. I don't know if you remember him, um, Tom. And, and and spoke to him at the time and, and said, how on earth have you ended up here, uh, you know, at, at Diostro? And he said, um, he said, oh, trust me, this club is going places. Um, <laughs> so no Japanese wisdom there anyway, as he <laughs> and, and did the rounds around. Um, I think he ended up in uh, uh, Friday as well at some bizarre point as well. But yeah. Yeah, he was at a lot of random clubs in Hungary, wasn't he? I remember him. But um I can imagine he can get taken in by it by the odds job because like he probably saw the fan base and the like the football culture there and all the um and kind of the good players that have always been there. They've always had great players. I don't remember when they had Luke there. Yeah. Um and then obviously Fernando was a as a great player. Like they've always had good players. They've just been a random team. Like Luke was there when they were in the second division. Yeah, it's strange. Very, very, very strange. Um, answers on a postcard, guys, to uh, how do we solve the Diostio crisis? Or maybe Chris will have the answers to that coming up very shortly anyway. Um, another two contrasting teams this season, um, Chris. So, MT Carr and Budafok, the promoted sides. Um, Budafok were out the traps like... Um, racehorses they were they were absolutely so refreshing to watch and see um and we kind of they've gone backwards now and have ended up in the relegation zone but mt car currently um before we kick off again this this weekend are are third in the table what do you make of those two sides yeah i think budafuck is that team um that caught people by surprise um, and I kind of felt like we thought a little bit about this with, um, with ZTE last season where, you know, they were, they were, uh, playing teams that didn't really know how they played, how to approach them. Um, they were kind of digging in, they were, they were playing really well defensively. Um, I think in their first seven or eight games, uh, they had only lost one or two. Um, and you know, they, they weren't conceding. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a surprise, but I think right toward, they haven't won a game since, you know, mid-October or something like that now. Um, and I think teams are now kind of beginning to uh, uh, see a little bit more of, of uh, you know, watching some uh, some film, being able to kind of break them down a little bit um, on defense. And um, they're definitely not scoring goals. Um, you know, they're, I think in the last five or six games, they've scored, you know, four goals, maybe three goals. So, um, you know, they're, they're not scoring um, and I think I think the league has kind of quote found them out unquote. Um, and uh, looking ahead, I think the best thing for them is going to be just remaining competitive. Um, I, I think I think they're they're destined for the drop here. Um, but I think I think they gave it a good go. Can anything happen? Of course. Um, they're only two points off right now, but um, I just don't see it. I, they they just don't have the money. They don't have the players. And I, again, I think over time as things. Um, level out and average out, I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see that they kind of belong in that 11th or 12th spot. Um, MTKA, I think, are doing exactly what we thought they would do. Um, and, you know, this kind of goes back to your other question, Gabby, about um, about Debrecen. Um, you know, is, is, is it what they needed? Probably, you know, and they came back and they've, uh, they've done really well. Um, 
they made some uh, they made some good moves. They've had some really good uh, performances with some with some younger players as well. I, I think um, uh, Tom mentioned uh, Sean playing uh, kind of out of his head as a young uh, young player. I think he's only what twenty twenty one. Bojan Miofsky also has been playing really well. I mean, he's got six goals, uh, Macedonian forward for their team. Um, uh, you know, D- Daniel Guerra was playing really well, but as we'll see later, um, he was moved. And I think they made a good move to get um, uh, to get Varga. I, I don't want to get into all that, but I think I think MTK is doing doing the right thing. I mean, they're 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 playing um, with with a good balance of players, and uh, I think that their move to get Varga over the over the winter break um, is going to be uh, just kind of what they need that that kind of veteran presence up top uh, or on the wing at least uh, to keep them going at least on on the attack but um, I, I think I, I don't think they're they'll end up in third I think that they'll definitely be top half of the table but they're they're looking good and they're playing well and I think that uh, they're moving in the right direction excellent Chris um, I want to say thank you to Tim Peelan who sent us a, uh, a question via Twitter. Um, Tom, I'm going to aim this one at you first. Um, is who finishes third in the league and who gets relegated? Yeah, tough one. I think I think I agree with um, Chris. I think Budafok are going to be the ones um, uh, in eleventh or twelfth. I just don't think they've got the the players to keep them up really. Um, and I think. Honved will sort themselves out. Um, I think that team, uh, I hesitate to say they're too good to go down because obviously saw a good Debrecen team go down last season. Um, but I, I think they, I think they are too good to go down. And I think with Pichon there, um, that'll be a, a huge, um, a huge give them a huge lift. Um, it's kind of amazing that he won the the cup and then and still, still uh, went and then then came back six months later. But that is. That is just Hungarian football for you, isn't it? Um, and I, I think Diostro are just too far off. Um, like they're going to bring in loads of players, and like are they? And, and uh, I don't really know them. Most of them, like I don't watch a, a lot of Croatian football, so I can't tell you how good these guys are. I know they brought Osmio Suljic in, who is was super exciting when he played. Um, in the league and, and and these players might um might end up doing something together but are they going to gel like it's it's a long shot in my opinion um it's a, it's a huge risk um and i just don't don't see them turning it around um seven points off the drop got a game in hand but um on vader the team there and i think they're too good um so yeah, I think I think just those the two the two that are currently there. Um third, I think Pushkash. Um I think um they had a rocky start to the season um with all their COVID problems and they did pretty well through it with some youngsters emerging as as key players um and still continue to be key players. So I think they'll I think they'll push on. Um it's good to see MT Car up there, to be honest. But um, um, I think it'll be um, I think it'll be Pushkash who, who finished third. I think again they yeah they finished there last year, didn't they? So um, yeah, that's it for me. Chris, what about yourself? Well, we all know Tom's just guessing. So, but I have to say, um, <laughs> I, it is true. It is true. I, 
I do agree. I do agree with you. Um, I think MTK uh, will settle down a little. Um, uh, just kind of looking ahead here. They are well. Anyways, I I, I think MTK is uh, is probably playing punching a little bit above their weight. I do agree with you too with Pushkash. I think that um, COVID really wiped them out, but they showed really um, a lot of metal. Uh, just trying, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, playing with those young players and uh, seeing what they had um, has been really encouraging. Um, Antonio Manch has been uh, great. He's got five goals and two assists and, and 13 uh, appearances for them up top. And it just it seemed like every time we turned around, he was scoring or setting up a goal. And, and it's just fun watching him. But there's a lot of players on that team that haven't even really uh, gotten their engines up and running. Um, that still have a lot more to play. Um, I'm just thinking um, like like Hadjiev, um, who I think last year played on almost every game. He's only played in in five or six. And, um, you know, Vanacek, I mean, golly, I mean, he, he was, uh, I think he led them in scoring last year and he's only played in, you know, in seven games and, and was out for, you know, a big part of that. So I see them um, maybe making a run for that third spot. Um, and I'm totally okay with it. Um, like, uh, like you said, Tom, I mean, I, I kind of rooting for them because of, of how they're, um, they, they brought that team together and, um, and they've got some young Hungarians that are, um, really kind of fueling that, um, and they're playing well together. So on that end, I'll, I'll agree with you on the other end, uh, Budafok, as I already mentioned, are out. Um, I've, I've got a little bit more to say about, uh, Diaz Dior, um, but, you know, looking at it earlier this morning, I was looking at everything. I said, man, seven points. Uh, they do have a game in hand. Um, big game against Friday coming up. I think they're going to get hammered, but um, I'll, I'll say more about that later. But can anything happen? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that what they're doing might turn some things around. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Mezokavej will be the other team that goes down for a couple of reasons. One. They, in just in terms of where they're at as a team, I think anytime you bring in Attila Pinter, um, you've thrown up the white flag, right? Um, <laughs> yes, he's done some good things. Um, but I mean, I just, I saw at the end of the season, I'm sorry, at the end of the, of, of the fall season, um, you know, they, uh, they, 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 they did really well. I mean, I think they, they, um, they won their last four out of their last five. Okay. Um, am I wrong in that? No, I think I'm right in that. Um, but uh, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see that team really turning things around. Um, I'll, I'll probably get more into it later when it comes to some of the, the moves they made and, and whatnot. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tip them for going down. Um, I feel like they are a year removed from just a miraculous season. I think they've lost that mojo, and I think um, they're they're we're, we're going to see it early on. Uh, mark my words. So that's it. Apologies for the crashing and banging that you heard in the background. I think that was the MT Car Ultras um, kicking Chris's door in after his uh, his prediction that they'll have a massive fall from grace there. Um, Myself, who am I going to go for? Well, mine's mine's a bit left field like yours as well, Chris, because although they're sitting fifth in the table, um, I'm going for Kishvada to go down, much to the delight of Tom. Um, 
and I, I feel uh, to to go down is going to be Kishvada and and Budafok. Kishvada out of their last five games have had four awful awful draws against teams in the in in the bottom four. There, um, I, I just don't think they're good enough at all. Um, punching well above their weight, yes. Um, I, I think they're going to go into free fall this second half of the season, um, and and will unfortunately you know stick. With uh, with Budafok there to to go down um, third place as well. I I hold we're, again. We keep saying this, but we're going to get into the transfer talk. talk. I think MT Car are gonna are gonna stick in that third position. I genu- genuinely do. I think um, the business that's done was bad, but then got a whole lot good again. So I, I'm I'm kind of I'm going with eyes. Let us know in the comments, guys. Once the um, once the pod is, is is out there, we'd like to know what what your feelings are. It's really strange. This uh, there can't be many leagues in 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 the world like Hungary. So currently, fourth place at the minute are Pushkas Acad- Academia. Um, their goal difference is minus four. The top three all have plus um, plus goals. Fourth place, we start to get into the minus, and it's. Everyone's on a minus until you get down to 10th place. Honved, who are on plus one. How bizarre is this league? It just, just always, always something happens. It's really, really, really odd. Um, now, we, we've kind of shied away from it all episode, Chris. But please, let's hear your transfer roundup. What's been going on in uh, in? Uh, yeah, so I think the biggest news that... Um... I say everyone, everyone uh, that's listening to this podcast might be talking about is over at Diazjur. Um on, on January 7th, they signed uh, former um, Sheriff Taraspol manager Zoran Zekic. Um, he was also um, a manager over at uh, NK Osijek in Croatia. Um, and you know, I, I think that's, that, that was a good move. Um, I know that's not a transfer, but that was definitely, a, I, I think, a good move for Diazjur. And I think that that's going to be a question for them in terms of identity. Um, you know, I, I hear people saying, boy, that's a lot of Croatians coming into that team or the Croatianization of Diazjur um, because of what he did. But um, I think the, the good thing about that move, bringing in Zekic, is that when he was managing Sheriff Tiraspol, he was a big fish in a small pond and he's used to winning. Um, and I think he's also used to um, having um, some of his players kind of follow him around. You could see some of that as with some of the players that he uh, signed as well. So they they signed quite a bit of uh, of players um, this uh, this winter. They've got 36 players on their books right now, which is amazing. Um, usually when you when you bring in a number of players, you're getting rid of players. And I, I was looking at that and I'm just thinking of all the players that we remember. Yasjor, who started last season, um, you know, you got Rui Pedro, um, you've got uh, in goal, um, Danilovic, and you've got, um, um, I mean, golly, you've got Gabor Molnar and uh, Hassani, all these players that that are, are good players. And I was just hoping that someone might come in and just kind of take the reins or whatever, but they're going a completely different route. And uh, they signed, I think, eight or nine players, mainly uh, Croatians. Um, as Tom mentioned, Asmer Suljic is one that came in. I think he's going to be good. He played for Vidi, played for Wipesh, I think, for a little bit as well, and definitely exciting attacking player. Um, 
Um, he's brought in a guy, Goran Milovic, who was a big center back that played for him at Osijek. And I think uh, with with Hegedish going down injured, I don't know if he's he's back in yet, but that's another player that can play in the middle um, uh, of of the of the pitch, tall, strong. Um, and I think he's going to he's going to be extremely helpful, especially with um, uh, the way this league is played. Uh, you really need to have somebody in there with some steel. Um, and I think I think he's there. They, they brought in left backs, right backs. Um, this young young kid from uh, Dinamo Zagreb, Binko Soldo, uh, who's another center back. I think that'll uh, that'll bring some some more depth as well. Uh, they picked up a guy, uh, Archer Pick, and uh, an Estonian from uh from cups in Finland. Um, and then again, another goalkeeper, like they need another goalkeeper. I mean, they've got Antal, they've got Danilovic, um, and, uh, this guy, Marco, uh, Malanika, who again, coming from, um, uh, one of, uh, one of his former teams, one of, um, uh, Zekic's former teams. So they've got all these guys that are coming in. And the question is, well, you know, what's the identity now of, of Diazdor. I mean, they're, they're, are they a Hungarian team? Are they a Croatian team? Um, there is precedent though, by the way, um, uh, Diazdor back, um, about 10, 12, 13 years ago, um, they had, uh, they had eight Cameroonians on our team in, in 2007, 2008, they had, uh, they had eight Serbs in 2008, 2009, um, including Kambar, um, who was on that team back then. So, I mean, um, and, and it's, there have been a number of clubs in NB1 that have had uh, little little revolutions or um, you know renaissances like this. Even I think uh, Friday back in 2009 they had um, they had seven English players on their team. Um, and uh, I'm getting this from an article though, um, by the way, uh, that was on um, Shock Fokai. Uh, but there there th- this has happened in this league, and I think I think this is a good move uh, for Diazdjur. I think they really um, kind of got to the point where they realized they had some players um, that they just were not performing. Um, and it's possible they just need to go somewhere else. And really, you're at, I think we look at seven points, middle of the season, a bridge too far. But you really do have to do something drastic, I think, at this point. I think I don't think it was going to be good enough just to come in and, and say, hey, guys, come on, we got to try harder. Um, I think pulling in this many players um, a does one thing. It, it it helps him with the language barrier. It allows him to be able to speak with these guys and get some leaders in there that can speak his language. And he doesn't. He's not going to need a translator to get his best players out there. Um, and I think that's going to be really good for them. So I think this could be a gamble that works for them. You've got a proven winner. Um, even when he was at Osijek, um, uh, Zekic came in, uh, took an eighth place team, and brought them up to fourth place and kept them there. Um, you know, he, he is, he's a proven winner. And I think that if he has his players and he can do what he wants to do with them, and it looks like they're giving him that latitude to be able to do that. Um, I think they're going to improve is seven points a bridge too far. That remains to be seen. Um, are they going to beat Friday on Wednesday? Um, which might be the day this podcast comes out. I doubt it, but I do think that they have a good chance of, of, of turning things around, uh, starting against, uh, on Sunday. Monday. Um, and we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, the other thing, I think the, the other big uh, news that we uh, all heard about was that MTK was um, Friday sending over um, really a sidelined Roland Varga, who, you know, in years past has, has, has been 
Um, at least a player that would come off the bench and provide some excitement or a late goal. We haven't really seen much of him at all this year. Uh, going to a team like MTK, I think, is, um, is a great move for him. And uh, I think what uh, Friday was hoping is uh, bringing in some of these uh, younger Hungarians um, and uh, uh, Daniel Guerra and Mate Katuna um, are those two guys who are in their, um, I guess, man, I, I, I guess Guerra is what, 24 and Katuna is 22, 23, um, coming in to uh, and, and giving them a chance to uh, to play with a team like Friday, being around the training ground with some of these, uh, some of the best players in the league right now, I think is going to be really good for them. So I think that's a good move for both sides. Um, I know that Friday probably got a little bit of heat from, um, uh, as, uh, uh, as Tom mentioned, from the league about um, assembling a team with a bunch of foreigners. But hey, in today's day and age, um, you're, you're not going to get a team full of Hungarians that are going to reach the Champions League at that stage. It's just not going to happen. Um, uh, at Kishvarda, we saw a bunch of, uh, we saw a couple of players leave that I really liked. Uh, Karasiuk is one, uh, Sukalas, who is the Greek that came over um, a couple of years ago. They're both out. Um, they've signed a couple of other players, Giannis Karbalov um, and uh, another Brazilian, uh, Matheus Leone, who just came on as a left back as well. So that'll be interesting. I know everybody wants them to go down. They're a garbage club, but I like them. Um, I do. I still really do like Claudio Bumba. I hope he stays in the league. Um, and uh, he just moved up to number 10. So I think he's planning on being there for a while. Um, that is on his jersey. And um, uh, I, I really do hope that um, whether whether it's far to stay uh, in this league or not, um, that he stays in the league. A um, couple other things, I think, um, for Hervar uh, said bye-bye to Futox, uh, who went to um, Zaller Agaseg, which I think is, a, again, as he mentioned, was probably a move he needed to do uh, at the end of the summer, but maybe thought that he uh, had a chance. No chance. Um, didn't really play over the, the winter, but um, definitely I think is going to um, uh, have a lot of opportunity for ZTE going into the spring. Um, they also picked up, um, Fahervar picked up uh, Palco Dardai. Um, who is the son of Pal Dardai, who is their, um, and Tom, Tom, you might be able to help me with this. I think he's their um, uh, player development director or something like that. Anyways, they, they signed him for four years, 21-year-old, signed him for four years. Um, and uh, I thought that was an interesting move. Um, but he's a, he's a uh, Hertha Berlin um, player. He, he, he's been playing there for a, for a little bit as a youngster. Um, and uh, also signed a goalkeeper over there. Um, yeah, uh, over at Onved, we said goodbye to Roland uh, Ugrai. Um, short contract ended at the end of December. He only played in 11 games, scored a goal. Um, I, I think he might be past it in this league, but um, probably a good move for Onved. They've got some other players, I think, um, that uh, can kind of take over. And I think that uh, they will turn things around. But uh, Ugrai is just kind of a, a shadow of himself, I think. So maybe somebody else will pick him up. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I can go on, but, uh, I think those are the hotspots. Uh, anything else I'm missing guys? That's just really, really great stuff, Chris. Much appreciated. Um, a couple of questions more now from, from Twitter. If I, if I give you the first one, um, Chris, while you're on a roll with this, uh, it's from Wishing Fish again. Um, considering Vidi's January transfers, the ongoing ones and completed, do you think Conference League group stage is a reasonable expectation for them? Well, as we said earlier, we look at all the, the teams that are close to that 
conference league, um, UEFA conference league or whatever. Um, it could really, I mean, it could be anybody. Yeah. I mean, uh, group stage. Um, I, I think they definitely have the players. Uh, I, I think it really all depends on, uh, on, on how they finish this season. Um, I think, I, th- I think it's too early to tell, honestly. I mean, again, looking at the players, I think that they um, they have the the talent level. It all depends. I mean, I, I don't see Pichon being their uh, their long term solution at manager. Um, I think that a lot of it depends on who they get for that as well and what direction um, that manager takes them to. So I think it's I think it's too early to tell. But I would not give up hope. I think that that's something that they can do. Um, they're not too far away from that. And, um, if they do turn things around and get a manager that, um, uh, can, can, can lead them in the right direction. I think that's, that, that's definitely a possibility. Mm. And Tom, again, from wishing fish, um, he's asking if we saw any of Friday's friendly games, uh, a bit, a couple of Spanish sides and, and the Estonian national team, bizarrely, uh, whilst they were out on their uh, winter break in Spain. Um, Chontosh, Katona, Vichai all made an impression um, for Friday, plus the two um, Magyars who, who signed from Memte Car. Um, he's asking, can they become a more Hungarian team over the spring? Interesting question, considering the recent spat between Kubatov and Chanyi. Yeah, um, for anyone who didn't hear about that... Um... John, you basically said um, it's great to see Frodi's success, but it'd be great if they were playing with a team half full of Hungarians. And then um, Kubatov kind of answered to that, like, if why would we play with half a team full of natives when you're playing against teams like Dortmund and Juventus who don't even do that in uh, with their teams, um, which is a fair enough point. Um, and if Frodi played with half a team full of Hungarians, they wouldn't be in the Champions League. Um, will that change in the spring? I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I think we may see some youngsters play a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's hard for them, to be honest, because, um, like, how do you keep everyone happy? If you're, play- if you're one of the better players in that team, like, um, like someone like Heister, for example. Heister's a... Uh, a really good left back, but he's not the best left back at the club. But if you're not playing him, for example, um, every other game and you're playing a youngster ahead of him, how are you going to keep the better players happy um, if you want him to blood the youngsters more? So they've got such a big squad and such a talented squad that it's hard for hard for the youngsters really to break in. Like again today, um, Henry Wingo from... Molders just signed another um, another great player. Um, who's... Oh, sorry, was that W I N G O W I N G? Sorry, <laughs> Wingo is... was his name. Oh, <laughs> shout out to you, David. That is superb. <laughs> um, yeah, so they brought Wingo was his name Owen and. Um, like he's gonna just, um, I guess. Well, he's probably a replacement for Lovrenchich, who's probably coming to the end now anyway. But then you've got someone like Botker, and then you've got a, a youth player who maybe could have played that position as well. Like, um, it's 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 tough for the youngsters to get in the team. Like, and there's no wonder. Like, 
someone as talented as Rego Santo um, had to be loaned out. Um, I, I, I think, I think most Froddy youngsters and most Froddy Hungarians will have to just find um, game time elsewhere, and that is a problem, really. Um, that we spoke about it on the on the last pod um, that the the youth players don't get enough game time. And um, and and it's one of the many happy um, quandaries, I guess, of Rebrov's managerial um, time at, at Froddy. That they've got such an amazing squad. How do you fit all the players in? Like, so it's a good it's a good concern to have, um, but maybe not a great concern for for Hungarian football development. And let's not forget, Friday do have form. Um, for doing this kind of thing with Hungarian players too. So, you know, maybe they're just looking to tick a few boxes, etc. But let's face it, they're so far ahead in the league that, that you know, they could possibly have these teams that, that play against, you know, 80% of that league whilst trying to concentrate on, uh, on, on you know, the Champions League games and, or Europa League, whatever it might be. Um, Chris, to, to stick with um, Friday for a moment, we've got another question, which was, if you were their sports director, would you let Tokmak go, even if the bid for him was like three or four million euros? I mean, apparently clubs like want him, like Bruges, don't want to offer more, which is why he's likely to stay this spring. Yeah, I mean, I I, I saw that question and I looked and, and, and they have him signed through the end of next season. Um, and, you know, three to four million, that, that would be nice. Um, that's, that's, that's a lot of money, but they're making a lot of money too. I mean, they, they being, just being in the champions league. So, um, to, to, to let him leave, I mean, I I guess if he were to say, Hey, um, this team at this level wants me to play, I want to go. There's really not a whole lot. They could hold on to him, but you know, we all see where that goes sometimes, especially when you're holding a younger guy back who wants to play in a top level division. But, um, just for the money? No, I don't think that's a good move for them. I think that, um, um, you know, with, with his track record, and again, remember, he came in, and we were all like, who is this Tokmak from Norway? I mean, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, he's just been just absolutely amazing. Probably one of the best, if not uh, in, in the best players in NB1 right now. Um, and we haven't really even seen a whole lot of him in the league because of um, him playing in uh, in the Champions League, so um, and he's still second in goal scoring. So I think, and again, just my opinion, I think this is a player that you hold on to. Um, you don't really quote unquote need the money, um, and um, you know if if things get to a point where you do, I mean, you can always um, have him stay on through the next group stage if they do get to the Champions League or Europa League, and then you know, sell them in the winter transfer, uh, next year. But I don't think this is something that you give up over the summer, uh, a player like this. I think this is someone that you hold on to and, and, um, he's really proven himself. Um, and he seems like he gets on really well with everybody. Um, yeah, he's just a good player. We've seen a lot of good players leave, uh, Friday. And I know Tom will mention a couple of guys, um, that we've seen that we just would have liked to keep in the league. Um, but, I mean, I, I think he's enjoying himself. I think he's enjoying the team. I think he seems to be in a good place. He doesn't sound like he wants to go anywhere. I just think for Friday, that would be a bad move. Mm, it's a good shout, Chris. Um, just to wrap up this kind of transfer talk. Now, Tom, it's 
I, I, in fact, I probably can't remember in my lifetime when a, a Hungarian player was the centre of so much attention um, during this sort of transfer um, window period and, and the lead up to it. Obviously, um, we're talking Dominic Soboslai. Um, he ended up where we kind of really, really wanted him to go um, and made his move a formality. Um, it's upset a lot of Arsenal fans. It's it's people asking, has he done the right thing? Has he done the wrong thing? What's your thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, it's interesting um, because um, I think um, he made the right move and I, I've said it for basically as soon as I knew who he was and that he was going to Salzburg when I found out about him, um, that I'd, I'd loved for him to just um, become the best player in the Salzburg team um, and then move to Leipzig and become the best player in the Leipzig team and then make the move. And he's basically done the first thing and he's made the move now to, to Leipzig and now it's his time to, to shine there. And I think he's, I, I love the stepping stone. I love the, the development. I think um, I was super excited when it happened um, to play under a, a manager like Nangles, Nagelsmann um, is going to be perfect for his development. Um, the the Red Bull Leipzig team uh, and the, the organisation of Red Bull look after their own pretty well. Um, they give them a lot of chances. Um, so he's going to have, he's in a perfect spot. What I found out over the Christmas period by speaking to someone, um, and this is all true, um, Soboslai really wanted to go to Arsenal um, for some reason. I found that absolutely bizarre and I don't understand it at all. But he really wanted, him and his agent really wanted to go to Arsenal. Um, they they like have got like big belief in Arteta um, and they thought that Arteta was um, on the cusp of, of of changing things at Arsenal, and um, they wanted him, and he wanted himself to be part of that that uh, revitalization of the club. And I find that absolutely bizarre because I don't see it at all. Um, Arsenal are playing right now against Newcastle, and and by all accounts, they've been absolutely abysmal, and they're so inconsistent. And I don't see anything in, um, I don't see much in. Uh, Arteta to, to see that he's got enough to turn that around. So I don't know what they've seen in that. Uh, and apparently, like Arsenal weren't that interested in him. It was kind of the other way around, right? It looked like from the outside that Arsenal were the team who really wanted him and he didn't want them. But I think it was a little bit the other way around. And I think he eventually kind of. I, I think Arsenal were a little bit interested in him, but they kind of, he didn't kind of get that that buy-in from the club and then he went for the safe option with Leipzig, which in my opinion is just so much more logical. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised to hear that, um, that he really did want to go to Arsenal. But um, I think if you if you you go to Man City or, some, or Liverpool, um, I think there's less chance of getting in the team there. But like at least you're at a club where they are amazing and they've got a, an amazing manager. But if you go to someone like Arsenal... Well, hey, let me just have a look where they are in the league at the moment. They are 11th. <laughs> and they've played four games more than Aston Villa, who are they who are they are behind and they're one point behind Aston Villa and they've played four games more and they're 11th. Mm-hmm. Like like what what does he see there? Like I think it's I mean 
think he's kind of dodged a bullet there, to be honest. Um, it, it would be a very kind of uh, Hungarian move if he went to to Arsenal there. I think it would have been almost like a like what are you doing for your development? That'd be crazy. But thankfully he hasn't, and he's moved to to, to Leipzig, where I think he'll he'll flourish. Um, to be honest, he's not played a game so far. He's been injured, um, but um, they've got Liverpool coming up in the in the Champions League soon, and he's they think he's going to be fit for that. So um, that's that's really exciting. Um, and if he can hit the ground running for the next few months in the Bundesliga, uh, Leipzig have actually got a chance of winning the league, obviously in the Champions League as well. So yeah, it's going to be super exciting to see how he develops um, over the next six months and, and the whole year, to be honest. Um, and obviously how impactful he can be for us in the in the in the Euros in the summer. I know we've got a very tough group, um, but. Um, yeah, he could he could shine um, for us there. Um, I think he needs to shine if we we're going to get anything out of those group games as well. Absolutely, and you know that move to the Premier League will always come in the future. That's for sure. I mean, it's not like you know, maybe Bayern, but you know, clubs in in the Bundesliga don't necessarily aren't able to keep their best players, etc. For Arsenal, it's that they say it's a strange one. Um, if it was someone that was going to be the manager for the next, you know, five six years, buying someone like Dom and putting him in the team and and you know bedding him in, building around him, possibly stuff like that would make perfect sense. But I, I just think they need that instant kind of boost now, don't they? Because it's literally unacceptable where they are on the table. So yeah, I say we're, we're, I think we're all mutually agreed that, that it's a great, great, great move for him uh, in terms of his development, which is obviously the most important thing now, not the league that he plays in, because we need him to be our talisman for the next 10 years, 10, 11, 12 years. So yeah, let's um, let's just hope it does come to fruition. And another, talking of Arsenal, um, uh, another crazy, crazy move um, that, that was kind of sprung up this week was um, Fenerbahce, um, massive signing. And I'm not talking Meza Ozil, talking Attila Zalai. Tom, how was that move come about? Yeah, it's super interesting, that one as well. Like, um, when he first kind of broke through into Hungary um, team, like, he, he didn't have that good a, a first couple of games. So, like, I... He looked okay against Russia, but he made a couple of real howlers in the game, in one game that we lost this year. Um, and then I remember Rossi saying after the game, like Bundesliga teams are interested in him. I was like, I was a bit sceptical. Um, and then we saw his performances after that and you're like, wow, fair play, no wonder they are. Um, but he seems to have come on leaps and bounds in Cyprus. Um, in the same way as Adam Long has as well. Like, I don't know what they're feeding them in Cyprus, but like how they've developed our, our two of our centre backs in the past year is is quite incredible. Um, and Adam Long actually plays for Henningberg, um, who obviously was formerly at Vidi, former United treble winner. Um, so maybe that's it's great to be working alongside a, a top ex defender there. Maybe that has helped Long a little bit. Um, in Zolai, yeah, I just don't know. It's amazing how how much he's come on um, and having Bundesliga interest there is, is really um, shows how good he is. And 
the fact that he's chose Fenerbahce above those Bundesliga teams, it, it's interesting because on one side you could say it's a lack of ambition that he's he's gone there because he's gone to a worse league than the Bundesliga. But on another like on another side of the coin, you could say it's actually more ambitious because um, you go into a top top club um, who have top top players. They have Luis Gustavo who used to play for Bayern. They have Papis Cisse who who was obviously amazing at Newcastle when he was there. They've got now Mirza Ozil. Um, they've got some quality players. They always do have quality players in there. They have a lot of money. Um, and 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 maybe like the money was good for Zola, maybe more than he would get in the in, in the Bundesliga as well. But if you're going to someone like Mainz or Freiburg, um, I guess maybe you have more exposure when playing in the in the Bundesliga. But at, at Fenerbahce, you've got a chance of winning the league. You're playing in front of an incredible fan base. Um, you've got a chance of playing in the Champions League every season. Um, like I don't, I don't, I know. Like some people are a bit skeptical. Oh, I wish you should have gone to the Bundesliga, but like it's it's a it's a really exciting move to go to a club that big, um, and and potentially become a court hero of that club. Like you, you've, we've seen it in the past. Like even uh, talking like twenty, thirty years ago when um, uh, Hadji went there. Uh, not to Fenerbahce, but to Galatasaray, and just how loved he was there. And um, you mentioned off air, Gabby, that Roberto Carlos was at Fenerbahce and Anelka was there. And they've had some absolute legends at uh, those big clubs in Turkey. And I think it's, I think it's really exciting for him. Um, they have, like I say, an amazing fan base. Um, you just see um, on Twitter the reaction that. Is the signing like they've probably never heard of the lad in uh, before a week ago, and he got one hundred eighty thousand likes on the on the um, on the Twitter page when he when he signed. Like it is a massive, massive club. Um, going to somewhere like Freiburg um, in comparison, I know it's playing in a better league, and no disrespect to Freiburg, it's great that Scholle's doing really well over there. But um, this is in terms of um uh stature this is this is another level and um if he can really cement himself as a, a top player there um which he potentially can um they he could be winning titles playing champions league and then get a move um to a to a bigger club um after that as well so like i think this is if he plays it's a great move um and we see a lot of our players actually go to Turkey. Um, Kevin Kevin Vargas obviously there. There's, uh, we've got a couple of keepers: Balash Magieri, again uh, Naj, um, Fetcherson went there in the past. Um, that, well, he's not Hungarian, but David Lanza Farmer went over there um, recently. Like we see a lot of players go to the, the smaller teams in Turkey, but to, for one of our players to go to such a big club, I think it's super exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I just hope he gets game time. He's only 22 as well, so um, he's got plenty of time on his side to to make his way into the team. Um, yeah, really, really cool signing. And according to um, a Turkish outlet, Ajanspor, um, 
the latest thing that Fenerbahce are looking at doing is um, a loan offer for Eden Hazard. Oh my God! And imagine that! Like you've you've gone from playing in Cyprus, and before that you were playing in for Mezikovic, and now you're playing. trying to stop goals while Eden Hazard and Meza Ozil are running right at the top end of the, of the pitch. Like, wow. You'd yeah, amazing for him. You'd be sending that team photo to all of your friends, wouldn't you? And, uh, and sealing it in a time capsule for your grandchildren to see for sure. Yeah, class, class. <laughs> well, guys, we did start this um, podcast off saying it was a, a review of 2020 and we kind of, we've gone off on lots of different tangents, but um, believe me, this show is never, ever, ever scripted. We, we do this completely off the cuff. Um, nine times out of 10, the guys have no idea what I'm going to ask them. Um, it's just their pure knowledge and enthusiasm for Hungarian football that, that makes this the podcast that it is. Um, guys, we'll be back very soon um, with the next episode. Love the comments from you. We love the questions. Um, it'd be great, actually, if the next one or, or pre- an upcoming one will be a purely question and answer show. Um can be absolutely anything you like um, revolving around Hungary, Hungarian football, whatever it might be. Um, so that's something we definitely want to look at doing in the future. But as always, thank you so much to Chris and thank you so much to Tom and uh, all you guys out there. Please stay safe. Keep sane. Keep listening to the podcast. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast.